Nowadays, a lot of these big companies pretend to care about our communities and issues with nothing more than lip service. State Farm is the opposite. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help educate in financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something they care deeply about. They want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Forum understands that representation alone doesn't mean authenticity, that it takes a good neighbor to sponsor programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, and to fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth that to date participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey ladies, it's Dr. Joy. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month, and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the Pressure wants to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. During High Blood Pressure Education Month, let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's iHeartRadio.com RTP. I've seen quite a few videos on social media recently of young women soliciting help in finding the perfect dress for graduation. Might I suggest you add Macy's to your list? They have lots of options for dresses that will transition perfectly from under your gown to that incredible dinner with family after the ceremony. Check out options from brands like On 34th, Michael Kors, DKNY, and many more. Shop at Macy's.com or in-store. You may have heard that most people who are Black have O-type blood. O is commonly needed for emergencies. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? Regardless of blood type, every day our blood saves lives and eases the pain of those living with sickle cell. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. Buying your first car can make you feel like a superstar as it's a big purchase, but it can take time to get there. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit helps you take control of your finances through products like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast where we discuss all things mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. To get more information and resources, visit the website at therapyforblackgirls.com. And while I hope you love listening to and learning from the podcast, It is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. 
Hey y'all, thanks so much for joining me for session 19 of the Therapy for Black Girls podcast. Today's episode is a special request from one of the members of the Therapy for Black Girls Thrive Tribe. She wanted me to talk with you all about how to deal with difficult emotions and some of the self-destructive things we may get into after a breakup. Um, But I'm going to expand that a little bit because I don't think we only get into self-destructive behaviors after a breakup. I think anytime we're having trouble dealing with difficult emotions, and that can be related to a breakup, it can be related to um, grief and loss related to something else, we've just had a really bad day, Um, anything that we're really struggling with and having trouble dealing with difficult emotions, I think we can oftentimes find ourselves um, engaging in some self-destructive behaviors. And I think it's also important to um, think about the fact that what may be a self-destructive behavior may not be something that's easily identifiable as self-destructive, right? So sometimes we can engage in things that if we do them normally and, you know, kind of sporadically, they are not so bad. But if we're doing them to kind of run away from other issues that we're having, then it may become self-destructive. So I think you can really think about anything that our good sister Solange mentioned in Cranes in the Sky when we're thinking about the things we run to to not deal with our problems. Um, So one of them is shopping. Um, So going on shopping sprees and, you know, heaven knows it's incredibly easy to do that now with online shopping. Many people even have their credit card numbers memorized and things like that. So engaging in high levels of shopping to kind of distract ourselves from other things that are going on can be one type of self-destructive behavior. Um, Drinking and other drugs, so kind of um, going beyond just kind of socially using alcohol and things like that into um, really trying to numb the feelings and numb the pain that you're experiencing by um, using alcohol or other drugs. We can also try to numb our feelings and numb the pain by engaging in sex. Um, Another one that we may not often think about is moving. Um, So a lot of times after um, there's been a major transition, so let's say a big breakup or um, something has really kind of gone detrimental in our lives, we may think, okay, if I just have a new change of scenery, then things will be better. And while you may get some momentary relief from a move, probably whatever you were moving away from is actually going to just follow you to that new city. So you do want to think about um, making big decisions like that after, you know, something traumatic or really difficult has happened in your life because a move is not necessarily going to be the answer. Another thing that we do that can become self-destructive is throwing ourselves into work. Um, So again, we talked about, um, I believe on episode four, on session four, when I talked about um, some of the reasons why we miss depression. I talked about the fact that we often throw ourselves into work and because there's always work to be done, we often feel that we have to work twice as hard to get half the recognition. Um, It's very easy to find ourselves throwing throwing ourselves into more work to try to not deal with the other emotions. And often there is um, some reward for that, right? You might get a promotion or you might get some more recognition at work, but then you are still not actually dealing with whatever the issue is that you're trying to distract yourself from with the work. Another one is exercise. Um, And again, 
you know, exercise is great and I highly recommend it. I think you should be doing some type of exercise on a pretty regular basis. But if you are throwing yourself into exercise to distract from dealing with some other issue, then it's not the healthiest way that you could be dealing with it. Right. Um, So it's great to try to rent train for a new 5k or something like that but all of the training in the world is still not going to make you forget about that ex or forget that you've lost a significant other in your life it none of that will matter another way that we try to distract ourselves from dealing with difficult emotions is by throwing ourselves into new relationships Um, so especially after a breakup um, you know you will often hear friends say the best way to get over and an old someone is to put yourself under a new someone kind of thing Um, and that typically is not really good advice y'all So throwing yourself into some kind of new relationship, you know, it's okay to kind of get to know someone else and um, to make new friends. That's never a bad thing. But if you're, again, trying to distract yourself by just throwing yourself into a new relationship, then you're not actually dealing with the issue. And one of the final ways that we often um, can engage in some self-destructive behavior to prevent from dealing with difficult emotions is through eating. Um, So you heard we talked about um, on session 18 in discussing emotional eating and eating disordered behavior. Um, Sometimes we do try to use food to try to numb the pain or this um, emptiness that we're feeling sometimes. We will literally try to feel that empty emptiness with food, um, which often does not work. Um, so, you know, you then you see yourself gaining weight that you didn't anticipate. Um, you find yourself moving a little slower. Your sleep can become disturbed. Um, so lots of different ways that not having a healthy relationship with food can impact you across um, across different areas in your life. So we talked about the things that, you know, don't often work, but I did want to give you some information about things that you could try to manage difficult emotions. So, you know, we all have difficult days, difficult things that happen in our lives. We're human, Uh, but you do want to look at developing healthier coping strategies to deal with these difficult issues instead of throwing yourself into maybe one of the things that I previously mentioned. So this article will, of course, be included in the show notes. You can find that at therapyforblackgirls.com session 19. Um, This article is called seven tools for managing overwhelming emotions and it's written by Katie Brooks who is a licensed clinical social worker Um, so she gives seven different tips that you can use to deal with difficult emotions so the first one is putting it in perspective sometimes when you take a step back and think about what's really important to you the problem that you are experiencing becomes very small ask yourself will I still be in this much pain in one week a month one year from now? Will I remember this as significant? When I die, do I want to remember this as something I spent a lot of time on? So if you ask yourself that question or those questions related to something that you feel like you're struggling with, often you will realize that the issue that you're dealing with is not something that will really matter in the long term. The second tip she offers is to engage in an act of self-love. Many people understand being physically ill and respect it as painful. If you get sick, oftentimes your loved ones will tell you, you poor thing, go home and take a hot bath. But there does tend to be a double standard when it comes to being in pain from emotions. If you don't feel well emotionally, it can be tough to find an empathetic ear. 
We all get scared to share our emotions at times. We're ultimately afraid to hear, suck it up or get over it. These words do tend to do more harm than good. If you're not feeling well emotionally, she encourages you to engage in acts of self-love as if you were physically ill. One of the things that she suggests is um, doing something that engages all five of your senses. So in terms of sight, looking at a sunset, sound, listening to relaxing music, touch, getting a massage or going to yoga, smell, engaging in aromatherapy in a nice hot bath, and taste, eating something that brings up good memories or giving yourself a treat that you love. The third tip that she offers is putting a time limit on your emotions. When we're hurt, it's easy to get lost in the rabbit hole. In the rabbit hole, we become the emotions and thoughts that are plaguing us. We ruminate and get lost in trying to solve a problem that is often unsolvable. We feed the emotion by believing the catastrophic thoughts that come up like, I hate him and myself for trusting him. He never liked me and was just using me the whole time. I never want to see him again. I'm going to call his parents and tell, him what a, tell them what a bad person he is. Instead of letting these thoughts come and go, we might actually act on them. We feel so horrible that we avoid people, stay in bed for weeks at a time, drink too much, or eat too much. In order to avoid this, try putting a limit on it. Tell yourself you're going to think or talk about this problem for only one hour a day until it is resolved or until you come to acceptance. Once the hour is over, choose an activity that is the opposite of the emotion you're feeling to change your mood. If you're sad, listen to happy music. If there is anger, watch a comedy on YouTube. If you're stressed and tense, then go take a yoga class. Everyone deserves a break from time to time. Do not let one area of your life that is causing you pain engulf your entire world. You have the ultimate control over your happiness. The fourth tip that she suggests is to let the negative energy pass through you. Negative emotion is just negative energy. It does not help to squash it down, numb it, or avoid it. The only way is to face it head on and allow it to pass through you. This takes some bravery on your part. You must allow yourself to feel the pain. There are some tools that can help you while you do this. You can allow yourself to get the support you need. Oftentimes, it is very difficult to be vulnerable and admit to others that you're having a hard time. In order to move the negative energy through your body, though, it does help to talk to another trusted person. You can also release the energy by exercising, writing in a journal, or simply relaxing your body and letting your preconceived notions of how it should be go. The fifth tip she offers is to observe the emotion. You are not the emotion or your thoughts. You can take a step back and witness your thoughts and emotions. You can take a step back and witness what your thoughts and emotions do when there is a disturbance. Watch the thoughts of self-talk get faster and ask you to fix it or become abusive. Watch the emotion crescendo and dissipate. Do not avoid. Avoidance makes the emotion and the thoughts louder. Allow yourself to have the emotion, don't fight it, and don't escalate it by falling down the rabbit hole and attaching to the thoughts. Eventually, it will pass. You do not really need to do anything for the pain to subside. It will do that on its own. By this, she does not mean that you should not deal with your problems. 
by all means, take care of yourself and your responsibilities. Just do not make decisions when you are in a heightened state. Wait until the emotion passes and then solve the problem. You will be able to see much clearer once the intensity has lessened. The sixth tip that she offers is to delay, distract, and then decide. Many times, if we make a decision in the emotion, it will make it worse. Basically, any negative urge or craving lasts for about 20 to 30 minutes. It will help you to delay your reaction for 20 to 30 minutes with a distraction. You can go to work, help someone else, go for a walk, take a break from the trigger, read, or watch a movie. Once the time is up, make a pros and cons list as to whether your reaction is worth doing. Usually, you'll decide not to react in the original way you had planned. For instance, slashing your ex's tires because he lied to you probably won't seem like such a good idea once some of the anger has passed. And just a note, even if it does still feel like a good idea, it's probably not the best thing to do. The seventh tip that she offers is to become aware of your physical and emotional vulnerabilities. Sometimes our emotions can get the best of us when we are not feeling well. Become aware of your triggers. Ask yourself if you have any physical or emotional vulnerabilities that make it difficult to manage your emotions. Some of these vulnerabilities are hunger, lack of sleep, injury, illness, stress, lack of support, or crisis. If you notice that the current problem is escalated due to one or more of these factors, you may want to try to take care of the vulnerability first in order to prevent and manage the escalation of your emotion. So these are excellent tips, I believe, that she offers to really help you deal with any kind of difficult emotion you may be experiencing. And again, you can find all of those in the show notes at therapyforblackgirls.com slash session 19. So today I do also have two different on the porch questions. So we are going to get into some feedback from some questions that you all sent in. If you have a question you'd like some feedback about, please make sure to send it to podcast at therapyforblackgirls.com. Okay, so our first question. Just a brief background. I am 26, employed, educated, preparing for law school, and have a relationship with God but never had a boyfriend. I'm often described as driven and intimidating by those who know me, and they insist that this is the reason why I'm single, but I'm not sure. At any rate, as a single black woman in DC, and for someone who is as type A as me, it is very difficult to date. I get that. I've only dated a handful of guys since graduating from college. They all flopped because the guys would either ghost me for reasons I still don't know, or they ended up being, well, a not so good fit for me. I would go very long periods between dating, at least six months. This last time was very perplexing. I met this guy one night at a bar while out with my friend. His friend was trying to talk to my friend, so me and the guy had an obligatory conversation, which actually turned out to be pleasant. We exchanged numbers. He reached out and asked me for a date. The date went well, and it just went up from there. He took me out on more dates, texted me every single day, expressed to me how much he liked me and how glad he was he met me. And these conversations were regular. This lasted from April through the beginning of June. Communication slowed down as he prepared for his exams. 
I totally understood and didn't see it as a big deal. He texted me when it was over and told me about it. At this point, we hadn't really seen each other in a few weeks, so I asked him when he'd like to hang out. He expressed that he's been really busy and apologized, but never answered my question. I let it go. Then I noticed that I was the one making the efforts to reach out. I would text him and he would tell me that he was out with friends or that he was traveling, which is cool. He never once brought up wanting to see me though. One weekend he went to New York. My friend, the same one who I was with the night I met him, was also in New York for her birthday. While talking to him, I mentioned that and he seemed to get really excited. What is she doing? Where is she? Give her my number. I was so confused as to what was happening. I saw that he was making a real effort to see my friend and not me. That was problematic. The last straw was when I invited him to a happy hour. I did so reluctantly, but wanted to give him one final chance. He didn't show up or answer my text. My friend, who ended up getting his number in New York, also texted him. I was very upset by that. She knew how much I liked him because I talked to her about it. She knows more than any other person how excited I was about him because he seemed to be a good guy and I hardly open up to anyone because of fear of failure. But she did and saw nothing wrong with it. The next morning, he responded to me and apologized for, showing, for not showing up because he ended up getting high with his co-worker, a female, at his home and ended up passing out. I deleted his number. That was very disrespectful, in my opinion. That was at the end of June. I haven't heard from him since. I do recognize that I may never get the closure I want from him. I also recognize that this may not be because of anything I've done, because I've literally only gone with the flow. No matter how much I disagreed, not acknowledging my boundaries and preferences, or simply didn't understand. I asked him once if we if he were no longer interested, and he said he was definitely still interested and apologized for his lack of attentiveness. But his actions led to this. Deep down inside, I knew it wasn't going to go far, but the things he said made me want to stick around to see if he would follow through. He didn't. I really just want to know what I did wrong, if anything. How do you go from liking me a lot to falling off the face of the earth? or to simply disrespecting and disregarding me like that, or trying to talk to my friend. I'm also upset with her and have pulled back because of the situation. He seems like a nice guy, polite, chivalrous, and genuine. So is it something I did? I do not want to be in a relationship with someone who treats me like that, yet it's still fresh and it hurts. It's just really confusing. I want to be able to move forward without this memory coming to mind and having me wonder why. Thanks in advance for your feedback. So I definitely have some ideas and some feedback about this. And again, really appreciate you writing. Um, so the first thing I want to you say is um, it's okay for it to still be fresh and for it to hurt. Um, it is definitely a human emotion. And when we get excited and um, think that something is going to go somewhere, then it's okay for us to be hurt when that doesn't happen. 
But I do want to call your attention to some of the other things that you wrote in the letter. Um, So you indicated very clearly for yourself that you did not acknowledge your boundaries and preferences and that you knew that it wasn't going to go too far, but you continued to just see what would happen. Um, So I'm not sure if you're making that comment because... Um, hindsight is twenty twenty, and now you feel like, okay, I should have known better. Um, but I do want you to pay attention to the fact that you indicated that you did not stick to your boundaries and your preferences. And I think a lot of times we find ourselves in disappointing and unhealthy situations because we don't stick to our boundaries and our expectations for what is, what something is going to be, um, It doesn't sound like you guys ever had any kind of conversation about being exclusive or or anything like that. I mean, it does sound like he was very regular and talking with you and spending time with you in the beginning. But it doesn't sound like there was ever a conversation about him being exclusive. So when you asked him um, if you're still interested and he said he was, but then his behavior did not match up, then he was very clearly giving you an answer. Um, so, you know, we can kind of listen to people say whatever, but if their actions don't actually match up with those things, then it doesn't really matter what they say. So ultimately, I don't think that you did anything Um, to cause him to ghost you. Um, So I want you to be very careful not to take on responsibility and ownership for issues that are not yours. Um, But I think the fault lies with you in this situation by not honoring your own boundaries and expectations for a relationship. Um, And then in terms of the relationship with your friend, I'm not sure how close of a friend this was. It sounds like it was somebody you have been relatively close with. Um, I would maybe try to have another conversation with her if you haven't to express your hurt um, related to this situation um, to see, you know, if there's something that you're missing here or if there's some explanation that she has around, um, you know, the, the communication with this guy that you felt was not OK. Um, but I don't know that I would just cut off a friendship because of this guy who ultimately didn't actually turn into anything. All right. And here is our second on the porch question. I am 33 and I have started thinking about having children, but I am hesitant because of the way I was raised, plus the general work of having children. I lived with my mother and father, who were married 20 plus years, but we have never had a close relationship. She was physically and mostly emotionally abusive and still is. About a year ago, I spoke to her for the first time in over two years and it did not end well. The gist of it is that the end of the conversation, she says she didn't care if she died that night and we didn't resolve it. I know our entire dynamic has a, was affected by the way I relate to people, but I have never allowed myself to be completely closed off like she has always been, though I know I could be more open. It has taken time, but I am in a good place and really happy. I am worried that some of the traits she drilled into me might manifest into my parenting. Every time I have reached out to her, it has ended in disaster. Should I even consider exploring or trying to resolve this, or should I give up on this? I think that my social conditioning has made me want to continue reaching out, although I haven't, but I am aware of the anger and sadness she brings out each time. Considering she has in some way been in my life, good or bad, should I pursue this or resolve to not having that? 
I sometimes feel failure for not having that relationship, but I am also aware that it was not my doing. Guilt and the feeling of failure in this relationship has been my problem more than my desire to be loved by her or be around her. She has proven to be toxic. I would just like to be able to talk to her. So thank you so much again for writing in this letter for some feedback. Um, and in a way, I really feel like you have answered your own question here. Um, and, you know, do know that sometimes um, it just helps for somebody to be able to reflect back to you what you said. Um, and I feel like that's exactly what I'm going to be doing in terms of feedback for you. Um, so if you've listened to the episode about surviving mama, where I talked to Dr. Thompson, um, I think that if you haven't listened to that one, you definitely want to, um, because I think that she spoke to and highlighted a lot of the issues that you've written about here. Um, you describe your mom as toxic. Um, it sounds like you've given her a lot of chances to kind of um, have a better relationship with you. And it sounds like it's something that she just is really having difficulty doing. Um, and so I know that it is very difficult to not try to make that about ourselves when a relationship with a parent especially doesn't work. But again, you said for yourself, I know that this is not my issue. So I do think that for you, it will be really just trying to change some of the negative self-talk around your responsibility in this relationship with your mother. Um, I would also really encourage you to do some therapy if you have not, because um, difficult relationships with parents can really lead to a lot of um, difficulties with our self-esteem. Um, you know, when we think about our parents, who are the people who are supposed to love us and um, protect us and, you know, not let anything bad happen to us. When we have difficult relationships with them and we can't quite figure out why that is, it definitely can do a number on our self-esteem, on the, the self-talk that we engage in ourselves with, and it definitely can impact your parenting. Um, I do not want you to be worried, so worried that you're like, okay, I don't know if I can even have a child because I may not be able to be a good parent. I think the fact that you already have some awareness around this indicates that you're already in a much better place, but I do think it would be helpful for you if you have not um, to talk with a therapist to really kind of work through some of this and to help get some really good strategies for parenting should you decide to do that in the future. So again, if you have any questions that you'd like some feedback about, please make sure to send those to podcast at therapyforblackgirls.com. And as you just heard me mention um, to the previous listener, um, if you are looking for a therapist in your area, then do make sure to check out our new and approved directory. Um, so I've we've gone or undergone a makeover to try to make it a little easier for you to connect with therapists in your area. And please make sure that you're checking back soon as I'm always trying to add new therapists to the directory. You can find that at therapyforblackgirls.com backslash directory. I absolutely always love hearing your thoughts about the episodes. I'm always really excited to see you guys sharing it with your friends and stuff on social media. So please continue to do that. Make sure to use the hashtag TBG in session. You can find us on Twitter at therapy for the number four B girls. And you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at therapy for black girls. If you're looking to discuss the episodes or just other things that you're struggling with and you want a safe place to kind of do that with other women who listen to the show, make sure to join the Thrive Tribe. You can find that at therapyforblackgirls.com backslash tribe. 
I'm looking forward to continuing this conversation with you all real soon. Take good care. Dr. Joy. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month, and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the Pressure wants to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. During High Blood Pressure Education Month, let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's iHeartRadio.com RTP. You may have heard that most people who are Black have O-type blood. O is commonly needed for emergencies. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? Regardless of blood type, every day our blood saves lives and eases the pain of those living with sickle cell. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair Girlbomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip and professional grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girl Bomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girl Bomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Nowadays, a lot of these big companies pretend to care about our communities and issues with nothing more than lip service. State Farm is the opposite. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help educate in financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something they care deeply about. They want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Forum understands that representation alone doesn't mean authenticity, that it takes a good neighbor to sponsor programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, and to fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth 
that to date participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers. State Forum believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Forum is there.